Hello. Hi, everybody. This is Sarah Westcott. And this is Katie Willie. And this is To Be Read, the podcast where we talk about books and the cocktails that go with them. And I am super excited for this one. Me too. <laughs> some of my favorites. I'm so excited. I oh, wrote... I meant the cocktail. Oh, God. Sorry. The book. Oh. I like the book too. <laughs> we'll get to that part. <laughs> we'll get to that part. But yeah, no, the cocktail looks awesome. And like, there's so many different ingredients in it that I'm like, could this be good? It's either or... going to be absolutely terrible or delicious. Or delicious. Yeah, there's yeah. there's probably no in between. Um, I'm really Anyways. excited. Like, I'm really excited to get to this book. So like, I and I, like, I don't want to go crazy with our like housekeeping stuff. But how are you, Katie? Like, it's been a little while I'm since good. we've yeah. done it. Well, it's not too bad, right? No, not too but, bad. Okay. I got a cat, though. I know you did. Ah, I got Lainey. She's super cute. That's awesome. She's super playful. You know those little, like, plastic popper things that the kids get from, like, goodie bags or whatever? Like, that's, the like, that a little dome? Yeah. Yep. So she, um, that's one of her favorite toys, which is obviously not a cat toy, but no. I've had cats that play with balls and play with toys, but I've never seen one that's, I've never owned one that actually, like, picks up the stuff and, like, kind of throws it for herself. She does it all the fucking time, oh, and it's adorable. So and then she'll cute. go, like, up in the air on all fours and be like, whoop, and she'll, like, attack oh, it. Are you taking, like, videos and stuff? I tried to take a video, like, four times last night, and every time I actually hit record, she's like, mm, I'm done. They stop doing it. Yeah. 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 So, I, she's on to me, but yeah. I'll get one. <laughs> you will at some point. I mean, she can't, she can't do that shit forever. um how are you i'm I'm good i'm good like nothing too crazy going on you know um kid stuff like usual Mm -hmm. being a parent is really difficult and hard but it is it it is what it is you know we're 39 40 years old you know 41 but yeah well yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know i know i Um, am uh this month has been fantastic because uh basketball and soccer ended at mm. the beginning of the month so it just seems like which is mm, hit or miss as far as if i'm gonna kill my kids or not because i see them all night every night yeah all the time (laughs) together just all the time yeah um so that's a little bit frustrating but it is nice we're we're painting a hall and we're taking flooring up and doing all sorts of like house stuff because we have multiple nights that we can do things in a row, which is nice. What yeah. are you doing for flooring? I didn't even know this. Um, we're doing to redo the entranceway and the hallway down the down the bedrooms. Awesome. And it's gonna be um like a wood laminate. Nice. Okay. Yeah. okay. Instead of a tealy tile in the yeah. entranceway, which is kinda yeah. wackadoodle. So we yeah. picked out paint and Luke and I when we pick out paint, we go to the store and we look at the paint things and we pick out a color and we get like a general idea of what color we want when we go there like we're like uh like a creamy beigey not a blue not a gray not a green yeah and then we just start pulling them out until we get to like i'll start at one end of the spectrum of that color and he'll start at the other and eventually we meet in the middle and then we go okay that's the color and we just buy it and take it home yeah and i got home and i held the paint spot up to the wall and it was almost the same fucking color that's already there which is really (laughs) really really funny but that is funny we bought it and we painted and it looks like clean and fresh at least so yeah yeah and so um, we're we're currently painting, as you know, yes. the whole house. And John's dad is coming and doing a lot of it. Um, he's retired. He's bored. He's got nothing to do. Um, my mother-in-law doesn't really want to leave the house much. So he's just like, I need to get the fuck out of go. here. Yep. So he's been painting our entire house. It's, you know, he's been doing it for a couple of weeks. But, I mean, he's moving pretty quickly. And, like, things are going. We have a lot done. Yeah. And we're finally able to, like, get things on the walls mm-hmm. where it's like, wow, this is a house. Like, this is my here. living room now. Yes. For real. Yeah. So I'm I'm loving that. I'm loving, like figuring out where things are going to go and, mm-hmm. ha- and like, and making it, like, 
so it's going to make me happy, you know? Where does this picture need to go on the wall (laughs) to appease your feng shui? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's very, it's a process and John doesn't appreciate it that much, but, um, I'm just, I'm just like, listen, this stuff has to be the way that I want it. (laughs) Otherwise I'm going to have you change it. (laughs) And then we'll have extra holes in the wall. So just bear with me. Honestly, we've been doing almost everything that we've hung up with command strips Really? Almost everything that we've hung up so far, there's only a couple holes. And John's like, I'm just doing everything with fucking command strips now. Because then it can be moved if it needs to be. And there's not going to be excess holes in the walls. So, I mean, like, certain holes in the walls, obviously, like, the TV's going up and whatever. And, like, if something is a little bit too heavy or whatever, it has to go up. But command strips hold up to, like, 16 pounds. So, like, you can put some pretty fucking ridiculous shit up with command strips. So, all I'm saying is command strips are your best friend these days. Or anyway. a hammer and a nail, and I just like putting holes in the wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. So, one of the things I wanted to tell you is that it took me forever to listen to our last episode that posts. I haven't even listened to it yet. So, I was stuck in the House of Horrors trilogy on Case File. Did you listen I to did. that? I did. I just kept, like, I... I was like, all right, I need to listen to our podcast. Nope, I got to listen to more of this. Yeah, yeah. That was a... I've never heard of them. You've never heard of Fred and Rosemary West? I don't think so. You have. They have definitely been an episode of My Favorite Murder. Okay. Without then question. Then nowhere... Well, it, they, but never they never do the go detail. Into, no, no. Because the, those the are Cromwell, 40 minutes compared to six hours yeah, that they, they yeah. did on this. So Cromwell Street sounded really familiar to me, but I think there's a Cromwell Street in Albany, and I think I had grandparents that lived there okay. at some point in time. So I was like, oh, maybe that's why. But okay. That could maybe be. not. Yeah. No, I, I've... But I didn't realize it was that. It's pretty. They don't really like, um, you know, you can Google something because certainly I know that I've Googled them before. And um, I, I, you know, it's just like, okay, this is pretty disturbing shit. But like hearing three full two hour episodes on them is just like mind blowing. Yeah. Mind blowing shit. It was it was I love when Case File does. A, like a, a like series, a series like that like absolutely because like, he's so yeah. deep into it yes and sometimes when i see that it's a series like part one i get kind of frustrated i'm like oh i just wanted the whole story now but it's kind of interesting to continue on with it like you know they did the golden state killer one was like five episodes mm-hmm. i think the jim jones one that was like jones two or three, that was, i think it was three episodes was three. Yeah. this one was three episodes the toy box i think was oh yeah three episodes yeah. Those ones are the ones you know you're going to be fucked up after listening. Like, yes. you're going to feel pretty fucked up after dirty, listening to them. Dirty, yeah. dirty, dirty, dirty. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to need a shower after this. Um, I was, I to- kind of totally forgot that I listened to Criminal. So I got, um, I had like a year's worth of Criminal to listen to. So mm-hmm. I was kind of far, I was a little bit behind in Case File too. So I got all three of them at once. Yeah. So I like binged all through. But anyways. Nothing do, like our podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> and I do want to. I do want to uh, uh, t- touch on the stuff that I've been reading that isn't podcast related. I I did read one too. You did. Lucas, is that a, a podcast book or a book club I book? I, I go. S- it was a fun reading book. I think I saw it on a free your, reading on your. What was it again? I, I the saw House it on in the your, pines. What was that? Like, what is that? Um, it's actually set in Pittsfield, Mass. Okay. Um, it's suspense. Okay. It was, I really liked it. Just like gave, it. Just gave it to me. It was, she okay. was thinking about using that for a book club book and then instead she went with Mary Jane. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I took it from her. Okay. Bed. Um, I've read three. You would like it. I've read three since we last spoke. I, I may have been, I may have started this one since, um, 
uh, or been reading this one when we last uh, recorded. But I read The Last to Vanish by Megan Miranda. If you've never read any Megan Miranda uh, mystery books, I fucking love her. She's very, um, like, Mary Kubica. Have you ever read any Mary I've Kubica? never read hers. You've never read hers? No, um, I have a bunch of them on my to-be-read. Yes, she. they're very, They're kind of similar in that sense. Um, she's good. Uh, I mean, I guess I would kind of liken her to Alice Feeney. Um, it's definitely got the the um, unreliable narrator situation going on. At the um, House in the Pines. Yeah. Okay. I fucking love that. I love that, especially in mystery books. Um, so I read that. I did read The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell, which is our upcoming book, book club. club. Um, did that you was, like it? I did. I did like it. Okay. I did like it. Um, and then I read... Or I'm re- I'm currently reading The People We Keep by Alison Larkin, and so far that's kind of a it's not a mystery. It's more like a coming of age um, type story, which you know is another as to who you keep in your life, basically. Yes, yeah, a- another genre I like, but it's a it follows a 16 year old girl and like how she's uh, dealing with life, basically. But it's good, it's good. Nice, so that's nice. that's my stuff. I mean, do you want to just move on to the? Prologue? Not yet. Real quick. Um, I have two things to say. First of all, we got another email from our favorite listener, Tony. And I'm not going to read the whole email like I did the last time. I'm really just going to read the subject, which says, Midnight at the Get to the Fuck Park Cafe. And I (laughs) literally, that popped up on my phone and I was like, ha! And I laughed out loud. I think think Tony appreciates how fucking like, how much you and I just really want to always get to the sexual Bang, bang, bang. Do it! Do it! The other thing I wanted to say, which is, I guess, uh, no, it's not really the story. It's about this specific physical book um i got this from a used i got it from used i got it used there we go from pango or? Um, nope better world books and it came with this little paper and it was like 10 pages in and it's like the person got 10 pages in and then stopped reading it and i was like what the hell is this and i flipped it over and it's got a return policy so it's a sales receipt and then i like it's so faded and I couldn't figure out anything about it. And then finally, one day I was like, I got to take it outside. And it's from um, a Barnes & Noble in Athens, Georgia, is where this book was originally wow, bought. Wow, that's really cool. And I think that that receipt is actually as old as this book when it was published in 1995 because it's totally yellow and none of the spine was cracked. And I had wow. to, like, force the book open. And it was so. That's so cool. And just another fun you thing. You always find awesome shit inside It's cool. Like, I, I, I love it's like a story with the story. I need to. Do, I just need to buy more more used books, and I'm doing that now with like the Pango book stuff. Yeah. So, but I don't know if anything is ever going to be is going to be hidden in right. those because they're coming from people. Like it's right. not like they're going to the Salvation Army or something right. like that. And somebody, somebody leaves something. something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to our prologue. The prologue. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Katie, we read the Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. Um. I am going to do things a little bit differently because I kind of have my facts are going to be a little bit longer today. So I want to do the reader rundown first and do our, our drink. Cocktail okay. And, we'll the and then we'll facts. go to the. Okay. okay. So, so give us our reader where? rundown for the Golden Compass. All right. So the first thing starts with her name. And I'm going to ask you one more time how you say it because I read it differently than you. Lyra. <laughs> Lyra and her last name? Uh, Balakwa. Sure. Is content to run wild among the scholars of Jordan College with her. Demon? Demon. 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 He says right in the beginning. So it says right in the beginning of the book. I don't know if you noticed this part. Um, clearly not. Um, so where is it? Oh, it actually doesn't say it in this book. It said it on mine. 
It said it on. It said it on the ebook. It says um, the demon is meant to meant to sound like you would say demon. Great. So I'm going to call it Damon the entire fucking time. <laughs> With her Damon familiar always by her side, but the arrival of her fearsome uncle, Lord Azriel, drives her draws her to the heart of a terrible struggle, a struggle born of gobblers and stolen children, witch clans and armored bears. And as she hurtles toward danger in the cold far north, Lyra never <laughs> suspects the shocking truth. She alone is destined to win or to lose this more than mortal battle. Philip Pullman's award-winning The Golden Compass is a masterwork of storytelling and suspense, critically acclaimed and hailed as a modern fantasy classic. Which, before we get any further into the fast facts, I do want to say, I feel like I remember when this came out and I remember it being a big deal with the church. And I also feel like it wasn't that fucking long ago as 1995 no. that that book just said that did. So that's yeah made yeah. me feel old because I feel like it's been around, but I didn't think it was been around that fucking right. long. Well, what's funny is I actually thought when I first picked it up, I thought it was older than what it is. Um, I thought it was more like 70s, 80s type okay. thing. But it turns out it's 1995. I'll get to that. I'll okay. get to more info on that. But let's do the cocktail first so we can drink while I'm doing these fast facts because so, they're a little bit lengthy. Our cocktail is called uh, the Lyra. I had found one called the Golden Compass. Um, and then our producer, Chris, was supposed to be on this with us. He's going to chime in at the end as opposed to being with us. But he chose the Lyra because he liked that one more. So that's what we're drinking. And it is lemon juice, lime juice, rosemary simple syrup, which I made this morning. So we actually fucking had uh, <laughs> two slices of jalapeno, three slices of cucumber and gin. So there's a whole lot going on in here. All this right. might be the second cocktail only ever that we have had all the ingredients to solely, solely following the screwdriver that we started our yes, first episode with. Yes. So cheers. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I like it. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. But and it's you can, refreshing. You can kind of taste every little thing yep. in it. That's every good. little thing in it. I drink this on a nice spring day outside, and I like the jalapeno. I, I actually think it has too much lemon and lime in it, to be honest with you. I think you scale those back just a teeny tiny bit, and this is a much better drink. That's just my personal opinion on you it. You know what? If we had that splash of soda. It would have, like, diluted that a little bit. Yeah, yeah but we, we missed that part. Um, It's good. It's refreshing. I like it. Mm-hmm. I just said we had all the ingredients, yeah. but the ingredient list we had all of. Yes, and, and, it said, and then it said add with top a, with a, a splash, splash of soda. soda which, and I didn't um, fucking bring that. Well, and I didn't, and I thought that we had, but uh, it was all like fucking um, uh, flavored. Flavored. Thank you. <laughs> Couldn't think of it. All right, so I'm just gonna jump into little fast facts here. We're still we're still in the prologue part. Yep. <laughs> Not yet to be um, able no. <laughs> I've been really much better about doing that, but okay. So this book was published on July 9th, 1995 in the UK, and it was originally called Northern Lights. So um, then in April 1996, it was published in the US and they titled it The Golden Compass. Um, there are a couple different reasons for that. I want to talk about it. It's kind of weird. So um, on the Wikipedia page for The Golden Compass and his dark materials in general. So this book comes from a trilogy, which is called the His Dark Materials Trilogy. And it says, during pre-publication of the novel, the prospective trilogy was known in Britain as the Golden Compasses, in allusion to God's poetic delineation of the world. The term is from a line in Milton's Paradise Lost, where it denotes the drafting compass God used to establish and set a circular boundary of all creation. 
Then stayed the fervid wheels, wheels, and in his hand he took the golden compasses prepared in God's eternal store to circumscribe this universe and all created things. One foot he centered and the other turned, round through the vast profundity obscure. Um, in the, Okay, I'm just going to continue reading on what I have here. What the, what the fuck? How did I lose that? In the U.S., uh, publisher Knopf had been calling... Uh, uh, the first book, The Golden Compass Singular, which it mistakenly understood as a reference to Lyra's alethiometer, which is a word that you asked Not me how to pronounce. Yeah. Depicted, <laughs> depicted on the front cover shown at the, at the head of the article. That, that, I don't know why I read that, but whatever. Because of the device's resemblance to a navigational compass. By the time Pullman had replaced the golden compasses with his dark materials as the name of the trilogy, the U.S. publisher had become so attached to the original title that it insisted on publishing the first book as the golden compass rather than as Northern Lights, the title used in Britain and Australia. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So that's, that's one part. Um, obviously in that you heard that the title comes from Paradise Lost by Milton and it's kind of like in in a way uh, have you ever read that I haven't I haven't and I don't like like I said the title of the trilogy comes from Paradise Lost um what I'm understanding again I've never read it you said you have never read it no but I feel like we should add it yes maybe I don't I don't know I think it would be a little bit dense and old and I think it's it's a story of original sin Okay. okay. And this story is as well, only it flips it on its head. So it's kind of a retelling of Paradise Lost, but like sort of inverted is what I'm understanding from this. Um, so I kind of want to, there's another, there's another, or did I get this from? Okay. So clearly, you know, there's controversy over like the religious aspects Absolutely. in this situation, yep. which we will talk about a lot in the story, I'm sure. But I did want to um, read a little bit of this really quickly, again, from the Wikipedia page. Um, Cynthia Greenier in the Catholic culture said, in the world of Pullman, God himself, the authority, is a merciless tyrant. His church is an instrument of oppression and true heroism consists of overthrowing both. William A. Donahue of the Catholic League has described Pullman's trilogy as atheism for kids. Pullman said of Donahue's call for a boycott, why don't we trust readers? Oh, it causes me to shake my head with sorrow that such nitwits could be loose in the world, <laughs> which I fucking love. Um, in a November 2002 interview, Pullman was asked to respond to the Catholic Herald, calling his book, the stuff books, quote, the stuff of nightmares and quote, worthy of the bonfire. He replied, my response to that was to ask the publishers to print it in the next book, which they did. I think it's comical. It's just laughable. The original remark in Catholic Herald, which was there are numerous candidates that seem to me to be far more worthy of a bonfire than Harry Potter was written in the context of parents in South Carolina pressing their board of education to ban the Harry Potter books. Um, so all of that, you know, whatever. I'm sure these. I don't. I didn't see the, these anywhere, but I'm sure that these books have been on a ban- on ban list. Absolutely, somewhere. there's no doubt. Um, so that was my very long and winded fast facts. Um, slow facts. Slow facts. Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump into the uh, the story. Okay. Yeah. The story. Okay. <laughs> So we read this. This is one of your favorite books. This is if one I of recall books. of our original episode, your 23 books, this is yes. three of them. This is three of them, yes. Okay. <laughs> Technically so, five, because there's a second trilogy coming out, too. But, um, yeah. I'm not going to ask you what you think, because I know what you think. So I need to know what you think, or what you thought. Like, it's been it's been killing me all day, knowing that you have clearly finished this book. I want to know how you perceived and liked this book. I fucking hated it. I'm gonna cry. I'm kidding. 
That was mean. <laughs> Sorry. She was a really straight face, guys. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I'm not going to say I absolutely fucking loved it because I didn't. It took me like a hundred plus pages to be like, ugh, get to it, get yeah. to it, get to it. Yeah. And then it, I have a hard time with um, fantasy when it's so much of a world that is established that I don't know anything about. Yeah. So reading the words and the dialogue and the whole concept of the daemons, which I'm going to continue to call them. <laughs> I love that. That's funny. Uh, I'm not going to say daemons. I, <laughs> I had a really hard time like getting to understand what they were, what the point of them was. I did really enjoy it. I'm glad I read it. I will probably at some point read the rest of the trilogy. I liked it a lot once it got to the alethiometer because that whole concept of reading essentially what's a fancy Ouija board. It's almost like what's in the stars, basically. Right. And being reading tarot cards or reading horoscopes or any of that kind of thing where it's all open to interpretation. And then she just fucking gets it and she gets it and she learns it and she just absorbs it so fast. I loved that part of it. Yeah. Um, I, can I okay yes. let me jump oh, in oh, here the other thing I really really liked and I wrote this down this was one of the first notes that I wrote um, is that I loved the fact that very early on you realize that the Aurora Borealis is the gateway between the worlds because it does start in the beginning of the book and it says this is a trilogy this book is set in a world similar to ours the next book is set in the world we live in and yes. then the third book I don't remember what it said about that probably just the bridge of I think the I think two. it's that it takes place in several or different worlds okay yeah so I liked I liked that that was really apparent I love the concept of the Aurora Borealis me and Pat and Jess got our nails done the other day <laughs> Sweet tart blue. Um, and Pat was talking about the fact that they're going to go to Alaska and one of the things that she wants to see is the northern lights and I was like I just started reading a book and this is the gateway <laughs> and it was just another really cool thing um, I think I think one more thing. Oh, sorry. The only other thing I really want to say before we get into it is that I think that a lot of my hesitation with the book is the fact that it was my first reading of it and I've never seen the movie. I don't really know anything about it other than that there's the a movie. fucking polar bear. <laughs> yeah. And there's a girl. Yeah. And it's called The Golden Compass. And yeah. that's and it was a controversial controversial book. So the 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 difference between reading it as a first reading versus reading a book and having read the series and rereading it is I can I can fully appreciate because we just watched the second Hunger Games right. and I I know what's coming. I know what's happening and watching it with Adam and experiencing him knowing that it's the first time he's seeing it versus yeah. like something that you've seen before. I fully appreciate the fact that I'm sure you loved it that much more rereading it. Yes. Yes. Okay. I did. I did. So let Those me. Those are my initial thoughts. So I need to like I I 1000% understand it. You can hear my dog. I'm sure you can hear my dog in the background <laughs> whining because I think she wants to come in here. Um, she wants to come in my room and I close the door. But um, I can a thousand percent understand that because I'll tell you, I, I'm a little upset that Chris couldn't make it to this because mm-hmm. he is the one who got me to read the books in the first place. He actually bought the trilogy. Uh, he is the one. He actually, I think it was a Christmas gift to my son, Aiden. Um, he is like, you know, I love these books. They're, they're kids books, but like also very with adult themes as well. Um, and I think that he would like them. Um, unfortunately, Aiden has not touched one of them, but (laughs) I read the entire trilogy within like, you know, the span of a month or so. And 
you don't really grasp the entirety of the story without really reading all, all three of them. of them. So all I can say to you, Katie, is that I'm desperately hoping, and I know it's tough because, you know, we we have all these other books on, on our list and stuff. I'm desperately hoping that you pick up the other two books because it brings the story, like, why she's why they're it. telling it the story the exactly together. and it, it's just like it, it comes together so nicely and well and i'm just like it's you know how i have always said i thought that like you know harry potter is one of the best like well plotted mm-hmm. uh series ever which clearly that that is the case but this is an, a very well plotted like he knew exactly where he was going and even still now he has created um he has started a trilogy series for another and a subsequent trilogy series the first one takes place before the golden compass the second one takes place after the events of the entire first three books out um and i don't know when the third book is going to take place um it's not out yet unfortunately it's been a couple of years i think the the second one came out in 2019 so it's now been about four years and i'm like waiting (laughs) um but uh just with all of that stuff you can tell that he put those kind of things like he's like i'm gonna save this for later like i'm waiting on this i'm not gonna explain to you this connection of people or organizations or whatever exactly because it's gonna come out and as as time goes on and i just love that i love that authors can do that it's to me it's very much like some people write you know just one standalone novel Mm -hmm. and it's a story in one novel and that's great that's awesome it's perfectly plotted it's perfect perfectly paced the people who can do this and plot these things out for years upon years upon years it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Right. Because they're also still dropping those things into yes. the first book and the second book yes. and the third or fourth Exactly. Or and whatever. they come back to and pay. It's all time. Yes. It pays dividends well as you read the yep. entire story. So, like, I really hope that at some point you get the chance to continue on with the series. I intend to. It's not going to be the top of my list, but I do want to see at least the second one. And then I assume once I read the second one, I'm going to have to read. The You're going to ha- you have to read the final one at least. Um, and then I'm if that's something that you do, then I'm going to force you to also read the the two the next two of the trilogy, okay. the next trilogy, yep. um, because it just it just it just like kind of like evens everything out, and I love it. And I'm not spoiling anything here, but uh, there is a bit of a love story that comes involved, <laughs> yeah. and I know you'll dig that. So yeah. Um, so I, I don't really know where to start. I took so many notes on this and, and folded down so many pages. Um, I got yelled at by producer Chris for folding my pages after I sent him a picture of my folded pages. And I said, don't judge me. Yeah. Like, this don't. is my book. I own this This is shit. what we do. And this is what we need to do in order to be able to freaking do this. Yes. And I hate dog earring books too. However, it's a lot fucking easier than finding the page again. Um, the first thing that I folded down on page 18, and I'm just going to jump in with this because it's a small, minute little thing. The master lit the spirit lamp under the little silver chaving dish and heated some butter before cutting half a dozen poppy heads open and tossing them in. Poppy was always served after a feast. It clarified the mind and stimulated the tongue and made for rich conversation. It was traditional for the master to cook it himself, and I fucking loved it. I'm like, we should all just have some cooked up poppy after, <laughs> after we eat a meal and to see what the fuck happens. Well, isn't that like basically cocaine? Like, hey, you like, oh, Opium. Okay. Yeah. 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 All Which right. Is heroin? I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, maybe opium is a too? opium is a downer. Opium is a, no, because cocaine is an upper. Heroin and opium is like a downer. a downer. They're gonna like. Where does cocaine come from then? Coca beads. Coca beans. No, that's fucking chocolate. 
I feel like they come from pretty, like, I feel like some, I don't remember, but they come from something like a plant. Ding. Producer Chris here. Cocaine is derived from the coca leaf, not the coca bean. I don't know. Anyway. We'll just stick to drinking. I feel like my voice got really fucking shrill there. That was annoying to me. Sorry. So I'm going to let you fully steer this conversation after I say the one thing that I'm fully going to, I'm going to do this every fucking time I see it on page 100. She bit into her sandwich and kept her eyes on the busy street. She had no idea where she was because she had never seen a map of London and she didn't even know how big it was or how far she'd have to walk to find the country. What's your name? The man said, Alice. That's a pretty name. And that's all (laughs) every time. Oh, we always gotta we always gotta if bring i see it if i see it mm-hmm. it's gonna be just because now it's like a you know yeah, alice has got to be brought in so okay um i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to steal this steer this conversation a little bit um a lot of my notes are definitely gonna in some way connect a little bit to the larger overarching story and i'm gonna really try hard not to spoil anything okay um i don't think my notes will spoil like from yeah but the co- the general themes of the book have to carry through the whole trilogy Cor- so correct. we can't not talk about them correct. and expect to not i don't want to say spoil it but yes we got to talk about all the themes yeah um so the first thing that i that i folded down um was just something that made me feel a little bit connected to lyra in general um not I, Lyra. no not lyra <laughs> um i don't know about you katie but um i found like I found Lyra to be somebody that, like, in a way, I kind of looked up to. She's very brave. She's very outgoing. She's she's super fun and, and she's funny. Smart. She's super smart, and it's just like somebody that I would have wanted, wanted to, to be, be friends with. Yeah, yeah, wanted to be friends yep. with. Wanted to be. In I any very way. much like, enjoyed her. She's wonderful, and like this made me feel a little bit connected to her. So. She's talking about, um, I'm on page 45, but our books are different. Um, so the page numbers are not going to correlate or whatever. But um, she kind of, in this section, she's talking about how she went down to the catacombs with her friend, Roger. Um, she lives She lives in a, in a, in a school, college. in a college. Yep. So she is basically the youngest person there because all of these are college-age kids. And we learn more about why she grew up in a college um a little bit later on but um you know she's she's learning from all these college professors and and there is uh what what's called the intercessor which i guess is kind of a a priest or whatever so it says the intercessor was a plump elder elderly man known as father heist it was his job to lead all of the college services to preach and pray and hear confessions when lyra was younger he uh, had taken an interest in her spiritual welfare, only to be confounded by her sly indifference and insincere repentances. She was not spiritually promising, he had decided. <laughs> and I was like, I feel so connected to Lyra in this moment. Like, And this is one of those things where when you f- kind of first start reading this, you're very much like, oh, this is going to be connected to so like such church a lot stuff, church. A, lot church, yeah. a lot of church stuff. And for me, this book kind of just... Um, made me feel seen in in a way you know what i mean it's just like um kind of pulled back the curtain on a lot of church themes and in general exactly doctrines and and it's it's very prescient for like stuff that's happening Mm -hmm. today like well so that was another thing when i realized how long ago it was written i was like really they didn't just write about what's going on right now Mm -hmm. it's funny because like this stuff has been going on for centuries Mm -hmm. and like the curtain is being peeled back Mm -hmm. on like the kind of stuff that people do in the name of christianity 
So I do have a, f a thing that's going to flag, and I told you you're going to lead the discussion, and then just like that, I'm going to jump right in with my uh, thing. No, this is a discussion, um, my dear. From towards the end of the book, 373. Uh, the general, the general ablation board, your mother's gang, clever of her to spot the chance of setting up her own power base, but she's a clever woman, as I dare say you've noticed. It suits the magisterium. Yes. To allow all kinds of different agencies to flourish. They can p play them off against one another. If one succeeds, they can pretend to have been supporting it all along. Mm -hmm. And if it fails, they can pretend it was a renegade outfit that, which had never been properly licensed. And I felt that like. Yeah, that happens all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about, yes, we're going to support you. We're going to support you. Ooh, you went too far. We weren't really supporting you. You didn't actually follow the rules to be official. Right. So now we're going to switch courses and go over here. Right, exactly. It's a very, it's it just kind of like peels back the hypocrisy of like all of that stuff. That's the word I was looking for. Yes, yeah. Um, I feel like this is going to jump around a lot because a, a lot of the things, you know, I, but it's all going to be very connected in the sense that like this is it's very much about um, religion. And I don't want to say the evils of religion, but it definitely peels back those layers of what <laughs> I hear guarantee you children. can hear the kids on the, on the whatever. <laughs> um, so on page 85, um, that's the first mention of dust, basically. And with a capital D. With a capital D. Not like and dick. No. <laughs> that kind of a big D. Yes. So <laughs> it's kind of uh, Lord Azriel, who we learn later. It's Lyra's uncle, but we learn later on that it's actually her father. Uh, that was kind of obvious, you know, in, in a way. Sure. It's just, well, it's just like, you know, sh this kid who has no parents. Yeah. Um, supposedly they died in a, in a, crash or something like along those lines i think that's how they died i don't even remember what they said that they how they died i think i think it's very it's very briefly mentioned which is kind of why you're just like mm, this what's is going fishy. on why yeah. is this girl just living here why is she she's, living in a fucking college with all of these older people she seems like everything she do is wrong yes she does is wrong yes she's only wearing like hand-me-down clothes she doesn't have any new things yeah. you know whatever um, but let's see. So Lord Asriel is talking to this, basically like uh, all of the professors and the masters and head headmaster in the college. And, um, they're talking about this, this dust. And, um, what he shows on the screen is this picture of a, a, a grown man and a young child. And, it's like with like photo enhancements of some sort, you can see from the Aurora Borealis or whatever, the these like golden specks in in the air and they're emanating towards or from the the male, the adult, the adult. male. And there's just a little teeny tiny bit trickling from or to the child. So, you know, there's this talk of what is all what, what is this? And um it says in on this page, page 85 on the copy of the book that I have, um, that dust is an emanation from the dark principle itself. And that's the first mention of it. And you're just like, you're kind of just like, what, what is this? What, what? what the fuck is that? And they kind of don't really go any further than mm -hmm. that until much later in the book. You're just like, what the fuck are they talking about? Like, what is this stuff? Why does it only go towards people? Um, so I think that was... Another one of those things where knowing that this was a fantasy book, I wasn't sure if it was going to have a real world d backing mm -hmm. or a definition that is practical in this real world or if it's just 
the force. Use yeah. the force. You yeah. know, that kind of a so far fantastical that it's not a real world principle. So that was, I, I kind of like glazed over it and I was like, oh, it's the fucking, it's the dust. It's yeah. the filter and the fucking picture, yeah. but they still use lamps and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a very <laughs> oil lamps. Again. So this is, this is, it was this, hard to tell when it was placed, when it was supposed to be placed. Yes. And that's another thing. That's the, that's the issue because in the beginning of the book again, um, does it say it in the beginning of the book that, uh, no, I guess it doesn't. I thought it said, again, in the beginning of the book, this book takes place in a universe. The first, so the golden compass, the golden compass forms the first part of a story in three volumes. The first volume is set in a universe like ours, but different in many ways. The second volume is set in the universe. We know the third volume will move between the universes. Yes. So yeah. it was hard to place it time-wise. Yes, it was because it felt very uh, 50s, 60s-ish yes. to me. Yep. Um, and Especially when you... with all the men being in the retiring room and the women weren't, yes. well, you shouldn't Correct. be talking. Oh, Mrs. Coulter, she's... Yes, yeah. Correct. And when you watch it, so, I mean, there is the movie. I've never seen the movie. I've heard it's skippable. Don't watch the movie. But I've seen the first two seasons. There are three seasons out of the tri- the the um, the show that takes, you know, it's, okay. it took each book and it made a season of the uh, uh, the show. It's Where's an HBO the show. show. HBO. HBO. It's very, it looks very 50-ish. The, the way people dress, the way their hair is styled, it looks very 50s, 60s-like. And, um, but then the second season jumps and it kind of, to like, the, the one that we know, it's very modern. Like okay. people have cell phones, people drive nice cars. They, it's very, very modern. I don't know if it's the same, I, I don't recall it being the same way in the book because again, the book probably came out in the late nineties. So of course so there weren't really cell phones. Cell yeah. So it, it wasn't like Jack that. style cell phones. Exactly. Right. The brick. <laughs> the brick. Um, so yeah. So, uh, that's one of those things. Let's see. Let's let's just continue on because I'm just going to keep talking about this book, basically. I will just sit on the other <laughs> side and participate in that conversation to the best of my ability. So <laughs> there is a part in um, on page 109. Um, it kind of this is this is one of those things that I'm saying I, I flagged basically because it is kind of reminds me of the overarching story in mm-hmm. a, a couple of the other books. Um so this is where they're talking about how Lyra um, came to be at the college. Um, so basically the story is that... Is this when she's talking to Father Karam? Yes, I, I believe so. Or, or she's talking Fa. to the master. I think she might be talking to the master in this okay. one. Um, no, John Fa. You're John yep. Fa. You're right. So... Um, who I absolutely loved. Yes. So yeah, whatever too. part you're going to read, I hope he's speaking because every time he spoke, I'm like, he is the perfect leader. Yes. He's just very much like, what does what the general group want? Yes. Let's do what's yeah. best for the general no, group. No, he was great. And, and Fader Quorum as well. I, li- I, li- I liked him as well. Like, they, they were just very good. Like, Lyra has always been around these people who kind of don't notice her in a way. They don't care about her. They don't her. care about I mean, they care about her in a certain way. More as like a... To keep her alive yes. as opposed to... Yes. to to Like uh, a father. Like a, a sense of like family. Cultivating her. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. So she's learning about her backstory here and, you know, we we know... We already know at this point that, uh, that um, Lord Asriel and uh, Mrs. Coulter are her parents. And 
we are learning that Mrs. Coulter was married to a politician, but then she cheated on the politician with Lord Asriel, who then got her pregnant. And when the when the pol- when sh- the baby was born, the politician could could clearly knew tell that it wasn't his. it wasn't his baby. Blah blah blah. So, which reminded me of the Office. Yeah. <laughs> It's a politician. So, yes, exactly. No, exactly. So, um, so Lord Asriel ended up shooting the politician because I think he came and freaking like, you know, started, started a fight or whatever. So then, okay, whatever. Um, as for your mother, she wanted nothing to do with you nor, uh, no, do with it nor with you. She turned her back. The Egyptian nurse told me she'd often been afeard of how your mother would treat you because she was a proud and scornful woman. So much for her. Then there was you. If things had fallen out different, li- different, Lyra. You might have been brought up Egyptian because the nurse begged the court to let her have you. But we Egyptians got little standing in the law. The court decided you was to be placed in a priory. And so you were with the Sisters of Obedience at Watlington. You won't remember. But Lord Asriel wouldn't stand for that. He had a hatred of priors and monks and nuns. And being a high-handed man, he just rode in one day and carried you off. Not to look after himself, nor to give nor to, give to the Egyptians. He took you to Jordan College and dared the law to undo it. So the only reason why I flagged that is because it... it is a very like little eclipse of the story that we get in the first book in the new trilogy, which is called La Belle Sauvage. And it's, um, it's about Lyra as a baby and how she comes to be at Jordan college. Um, but I just kind of thought, I just loved that. Like they brought this in because looking back on it, I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. Like I remember her being here and, you know, and, and like, there's doing also this no stuff. fucking way that he knew he was going to write another trilogy. No! He was writing that years later, because we're talking yep. about this trilogy coming out in the late nineties, this new trilogy, the first one he wrote was in like 2017 or something yeah. like that. I mean, it's crazy to think yeah. about that. He that plotted just these those things. couple sentences is going to bloom uh-huh. into a whole nother book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I loved I loved reading that because it just brought me back to reading um that that first book and that that new trilogy and it I'm like I want to read re- I'm going to reread the entire series. I like I'm going to I have to. Um so then let's let's get into this I can bring you into a lot a lot on. Um let's get into the connection with the demons. Okay? Sure. So the first time I read this, the first time I read the book, um it was it was a little confusing for me. I'm just like, what what the hell? What is this thing? But it reminded me of, and like there are witches in this story. Um, it reminded me so much of witches' familiars, you know, which are almost always birds because they can fly off and you know, like whatever. So, have you ever heard like witches' familiars? Like, I've heard it. I'm not in like a. It's basically awesome. like I mean, think about think about um, Sleeping Beauty. And Maleficent with her, the crow or the raven, that's always, uh, like, that's her familiar, basically. And this fucking crow will go off and do her bidding and, like, yeah, whatever. Exactly. So that's what it reminded me of at first. I love, so the the thing is, like, these, these familiars or demons or whatever, as you're growing, as you're a baby and, like, growing into puberty, they change. They don't stay the same animal. They change into whatever is useful at that point in time. Yes, correct. And they also, they also, to me, seem to kind of be a very telling of whatever emotion you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, you couldn't really hide the emotion that you're feeling. Even if your face isn't showing it, your familiar is, like, twitching over here because you're fucking nervous as shit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or your demon. Well, and that's what, that's what I love about it. It's very, like, um... 
it's part of you. It's a part of your soul. And that's kind of how, as, as you, again, as you go on in the series, um, you know, you'll, you'll realize that a little bit more that it's just, it's not in certain, in certain, certain universes, you know, you carry your demon inside of you, which is again, your soul. So these people carry their soul on the outside of their body. Basically. So question about the second book solely because I want to ruin something for myself. <laughs> Are demons present in the second book for the people in our world no okay so our world is very much our world okay it's there are demons do not exist okay so when lyra first comes into contact with somebody from that world she's very put off like where the fuck is your thing yes where's your demon but but she also senses you know from this book how when a person, when when they come into contact with someone they feel doesn't have a demon, they can tell immediately. Blank. Yes, and, you're and not emotional. Yes, there's there's a, a chapter where it's a ghost. They they yeah. think that there is a ghost haunting a town, but it turns out that it's a boy who has been severed from his demon, yeah. and it's very haunting and terrifying, and the feeling that they get is very icky, like. Yes. I can't I, I can't even fathom this, you know, thought. Right. So um It would probably be exactly as how we would feel if we saw somebody with their demon and their soul riding around with them, right. changing shape and being animals and be like, that fucker's talking. Yes, can I touch it? No, you oh I can't touch it. I can't touch it at all because it's not mine. Yes, exactly. And I love that that's like an unwritten rule. Like yeah. everybody knows do, do not, not touch, touch somebody else's. It's an uncomfortable feeling. It's not yeah. okay. Um, so one thing I do want to say about this is that I really appreciated once she met Ioric that he basically said, I don't have one. My armor is like mine. It is my soul. And that kind of connected the dots yes. a little bit for yes. me at that point in time. Yes. Because of the, like the way that they make the armor and stuff, it's very, it's very customized exactly yes. to them. Exactly. It moves how they need it to move. Yes. Yeah. That, um, I, I I agree with you. I think that that was very like a connective way to make, especially to make Lyra and Iric connect together. Yes. And like you know, as far as a talking bear that wears armor can be connected to exactly, another person, exactly. With a demon. Yeah, but, yeah. but I love I love <laughs> I love their relationship so much. It Absolutely, was so it was so sweet. So I I I'm gonna probably comment like there's a couple of things, um, with regard to uh, demons that I'm gonna kind of connect here so i'm going to jump around a little bit so on my page 135 um let's see they're they're on a boat and and uh pantalaimon lyra's demon uh is kind of like sometimes he'll become like a dolphin or he'll become a seagull and he'll fly over the seas or he'll you know he'll go just kind of go out yeah. yes exactly and it but they can never be like a certain amount of space away because then it starts it's to be pulling it tugs pulling. at your heartstrings yes. essentially is how i read that so um on this page it says lyra leaped up and pantaliman became a seagull at once eager to stretch his wings in the open it was cold outside and although she was well wrapped up lyra was soon shivering pantaliman on the other hand leaped into the air with a loud caw of delight and wheeled and skimmed and darted now ahead of the boat now behind the stern lyra exulted in it feeling with him as he flew and urging him mentally to provoke the old tillerman's cormant 
cormorant demon into a race but she ignored him uh, uh, but she ignored him and settled down sleepily on the handle of uh, of the tiller near near her man like i just i love i'm like, old you're having a blast yes, fuck off leave me yes, alone i'm but just you gonna can chill here already <laughs> feel like in that sense you can already i mean there are little snippets of their 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 connection but that's just something it's kind of like Lyra exalted in it. Yes. That's very much like she's feeling these feelings as he's doing it as yeah. well. Like, so that's very much, okay, this is now you're seeing a little bit more of it's not just an animal that follows you around and it's walks with you. Pet. This is a part of you. Yeah. It's it feels the same things that you feel and you're feeling the same things that you, it feels. So I'm gonna continue on. So once- I did like the fact that oftentimes, most of the time, it's of a different gender. Except for the one that they mentioned. Yes. And I was yes. like, well, that's interesting. I think you find out a little bit more that if your demon is the same sex as you, you tend to be gay. Or, like, that's the typical thing. Okay. Um, You tend to have, like, you know, that sexual orientation is either gay or lesbian or whatever. Um, I don't know why that is. I'd, whatever. I, it is what it is. That's just how he wrote it. Anyway. <laughs> I just I, I found it interesting that it, the typical quote unquote typical is that it is of an opposite yes, gender. And yes, I was like, huh. exactly, exactly. And kind of like you know, almost like you have the feelings of both. In you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. you you can uh, empathize with both sexes. Right. In so a way. as yourself, you can yes. understand one one gender as opposed to your mm-hmm. your demon that's getting the other. Right, exactly. Um, so I, I won't go too much into this, but I mean, it's the first mention of like the 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 witches basically and their demons, which the witches are able to separate from their demons A much shit more. ton farther. Yes, like they can fly miles on. And again, they're all birds. They fly. The witches fly. The birds fly. Um, it's just it, it. I was only I only pointed this out because you know people at first when they saw the witches or whatever, they didn't see a demon. And that's just because the demon is whatever. It's doing its own thing. Doing its own thing. But the difference is that they didn't have that deadness behind the eyes. Right. You know what I mean? Um. So let's see. Did I have another one? Do, do, do. Page 187. Oh, okay. So 187. Page 187 is the chapter of the ghost, uh, the lost boy. And this Tony, is the one. Right? Yes, yes. Macarios. Macarios, I think, yeah. So this is the one where they find in a, in a random, like, fishing village up north where people feel that they're being haunted by a ghost and it turns out to be a boy who has been severed from his demon. Before you get to that part, right before that, Lyra is realizing that she needs to go to this town and she can't get the whole horde of Egyptians to go with her yeah. because it's going to take them so far, of course. And she's like, I just need to go. I need to go. I need to understand. I, I need feel to go. like something is pulling me there. And the fact that they were allowed her to go and that she was courageous enough to go on her own. And then what, all the stuff she that happened fucking, after she it. She had this huge fucking bear with her, you that, know? <laughs> right. Right. I, I, that part, I absolutely adored the fact that she was like, um, I, I really need to go. Mm-hmm. And if I think that um, the fact that she wasn't actually with her parents either parent even though her mom wasn't really a great role model and yeah. really a, a good guardian of her but i think that even if she had been with either one of them they would be like fuck you you're not going anywhere say the fuck here yes ignore it yes ignore it exactly. ignore it but the fact that she wasn't with them allowed her to be able to go yes. and do what she needed well to do. and they knew her well enough to just be like 
they know she can read the alethiometer and she said, you know, I'm feeling this is telling me something that I'm not quite, I can't pinpoint exactly, but there's a reason why I have to go Just there. like when I said it was going to be like this and I couldn't figure out what it meant and then yes, it was this. and then it was this. Exactly. So the fact they have that trust in her to know that she knows what she's talking about. And again, the bear is with her. They can make good time to get there and whatever. So, but this is kind. This is where we find out what the the gobblers, as they're called, the general ob- ob- which ablation every board. single time I read that, I thought about turkey. <laughs> I just <laughs> yes, and like turkey. Oh my dinner. God, cut the turkey salad. No, absolutely like that. leave that. <laughs> I think that there's some restaurant that I'm sure there's multiple restaurants, but I'm pretty sure there's some restaurant that has something called a gobbler on its oh, menu. It's like 100%. a turkey sandwich after Thanksgiving. Yes. And I just every single time I was like, mm, mashed potatoes and stuffing. Yeah. Turkey. God, I just love Thanksgiving. It's my yep. favorite time of the year. Okay. So she's, um, this is, this just, just kind of continues on to the connection with your, with your demons. Oh shit. Hang on. Um, whatever. I'll go back to that one. So, um, let's see. The little boy was huddled against the wood drying rack where, he, where hung row upon row of gutted fish, all as stiff as boards. He was clutching a piece of fish to him as Lyra was clutching pantaliman with her left hand, hard against her heart. But that was all he had, a piece of dried fish, because he had no demon at all. The gobblers had cut it away. That was intercession. This was a severed child. So this is the first we understand what, what they're doing, they're with, doing these kids that they're with these kids that they are stealing is they're cutting somehow, somehow severing the connection between ch- children and um, their demons. And what you come to learn is that they don't live very long after they're cut, um, which is horrifying to me. It's, it's horrifying. Like, how can you continue to do something once you know so again like this procedure isn't going to kill them however they're going to die shortly afterwards because as a result of it yes and the reason again why they're doing this is to stop dust from happening and if we we, we're going to have to talk a little bit about i'm going to take a little pause here we're going to have to talk a little bit about what dust actually is and dust from from what it's understood is original sin and we all know that original sin is sex and and um, experience of being mm-hmm. like. So basically, what they're saying is, you know, in kind of in a way, adults have dust coming towards them because they're experienced. They've gone through puberty. They've had sex. They've fallen in love. Whatever. Children don't have that because they're still innocent. They're, they have an experience. They have an experience. They don't have the hormones. So, they don't have all of that. Exactly. It. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to me. You're cutting like they're trying to cut the demon away to almost in a way make the children grow up faster, but they're just dying instead. Yes. So I don't understand why after just the first couple of ones, you don't just be like, well, this is a well, bad idea. That's not the right way to go about that. It's it's just, it's just, it's, it's insane to me. Well, maybe but, we need to cut it differently. But, but that kind of just reminds me in a way of the fact that like the church will, can't admit it wrong. can't admit wrongs and it will just continue. Well, we didn't really see that coming. So yeah. we just kind of went yeah, this way a exactly, little bit. Exactly. We, they cannot admit that they have made mistakes and um, maybe aren't doing the correct thing. And nope, we're just going to continue on this path. And at some point, we're going to figure out 
we're going to pinpoint how to how to actually do how it. How to do what we're really trying yes. for. So there's more more talk of connections with demons. Um, what did I say? So, okay, this is when, again, he's like, Pantaliman is in the water and he's going as a dolphin. And she's saying she shared his pleasure, but for her, it wasn't simple pleasure. For there was pain and fear in it, too. Suppose he loved being a dolphin more than he loved being with her on land. What would she do then? It's just, it's just like those little teeny tiny things that kind of um, make you understand, yeah, it's not just these two separate entities they are connected in some way. They're connected, but they also have yes. their own experiences and their own emotions behind it. Yes. So this is another this is another thing. This is gonna be a little bit longer, but um so she's asking, you know, why why does Pantaliman have to settle as a as as something? As something. Because all of the adults, once they hit that puberty yes. age and yes. all the dust is settling, then their Your demons are the same. Going to settle. So, um, ah, they always have settled and they always will. That's part of growing up. There'll come a time when you'll be tired of his changing about and you'll want a settled kind of form for him. She says, I never will. Oh, you will. You'll want to grow up like all the other girls. Anyway, there's com- there's compensations uh, for a settled form. What are they? Knowing what kind of person you are. Take old Belisaria. She's a seagull and that means I'm kind of a seagull too. I'm not grand and splendid nor beautiful, but I'm a tough old thing and I can survive anywhere and always find a bit of food and company. That's worth that's worth knowing, that is. And when your demon settles, you'll know what sort of person you are. But suppose your demon settles in a shape you don't like. Well, then you're disoriented, ain't ya? There's plenty of folks as 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 I'd like to have a lion as a demon, then they end up with a poodle. Until they learn to be satisfied with what they are, they're going to be fretful about it. Waste of feeling, that is. But it didn't seem to Lyra that she would ever grow up. So I wanted to ask, I, I wish I had thought about this more. Like, what do you think your demon would settle as? Do, like, do you have, like, any ideas, like, the kind of person you are that your demon would maybe settle as a certain animal? Nope. <laughs> I I haven't thought about I it. I just kind of feel, I, you know what? Honestly, I kind of feel like a cat. Like, I like the sun. I like to lounge. Lazy. I like to chill. But also, I like to be playful. Yeah. Every yeah. now and then. I'll play with, I'll play with a popper with and throw it up in the air and then attack it with all four paws in the air. Yep. No, I'm with you. I think, uh, I mean, I have always said that when I die, I hope that I come back as a cat you know if there's resurrection involved like i would like to be a cat in in my next life i'll come i'll come over and say hey to you until all of a sudden you pet me too much i'm like like, fuck you i'm done i'm gonna walk away from you so i think i have one more thing about the connection um let's see where did i basically this is when pantaliman is in is in the bear um pen trying to help iric get out and you know Pantaliman is like, I'm going to go in. Let me go in so I can talk to him. And he's getting further and further away from him. And her heart, like, she's just, like, feeling this in her chest. Like, stop. You can't. And then they come back together. And she's like, don't ever do that again. Don't ever go. That hurts so much. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Um, So that's just another little thing. I do want to point out the several Harry Potter kind of feelings and connections in this book. Um. But it's kind of funny because this was clearly published before. and written before Harry Potter. So it it must make you think that J.K. Rowling kind of took... I'm sure she, she read I'm this sure she and read I'm it. sure she took a little bit. So, okay, there's this uh, passage on page 154. 
the witches have talked about this child for centuries, talking about Lyra, uh, for centuries past, said the consul. Because they live so close to the place where the veil between the worlds is thin, they hear immortal whispers from time to time in the voices of those beings who pass between the worlds. And they have spoken of a child such as this, who has a great destiny that can only be fulfilled elsewhere, not in this world, but far beyond. With this child, we shall all die. So the witches, without this child, I'm sorry, without this child, we shall all die. So the witches say, but she must fulfill this destiny in ignorance of what she is doing, because only in her ignorance can we be saved. Do you understand that, Father Coram? Um, there's another page. I definitely thought Harry Potter at that point in time. Yes, yes. And there's another one. I'm going to talk about it briefly in a second. Um, uh, okay, you speak of destiny, he said, as if it was fixed. And I ain't sure I like that any more than a war I'm enlisted in without knowing about it. Where's my free will, if you please? And this child seems to me to have more free will than anyone I ever met. Are you telling me that she's just some kind of clockwork toy wound up and set going on a course she can't change? This reminded me so, so, so much of Harry Potter um, and this the conversation that Snape and Dumbledore have that Harry wis- witnesses Overhears, over yeah. he didn't overhear it he saw it in the pensive well okay, because yes. Snape gives him yeah, his yeah, yeah, his yeah. memories and I they're overhear. talking yes yeah but they're talking about how Harry can't know that he has to die yeah. in order to defeat Lord Voldemort yeah. this is so like it's so familiar to me it just it gave me chills reading it like. I, I, I've read this before. I know this story. So it, it, it mentioned it a few times, and I by the third time, it finally beat me over the head, and I flagged it because I wanted to make sure we did talk about it. So I'm in my page 310, we are all subject to the fates, but we must all act as if we are not, said the witch, or die of despair. There is a curious prophecy about this child. She is destined to bring about the end of destiny. But she must do so without knowing what she is doing, as if it were her nature and not her destiny to do it. If she's told what she must do, it will all fail. Mm-hmm. Death will sweep through all the worlds. It will be the triumph of despair forever. The universes will all become nothing more than interlocking machines, blind and empty of thought, feeling life. And I was like, all right, I got it now. Yeah. But also the Harry Potter concept and the fact that all of these adults seem to know this prophecy and it's not just one it's not just her dad it's not just her mom it's not just the master it's not just macosta it's everybody knows this about her yes and lets her go and do it knowing what has to happen without telling her about it yep and i had a really hard time with that because i can't fucking keep secrets for the life of me it's difficult it's difficult but like that's the fact like in Harry Potter, again, Dumbledore says he can't know, otherwise he won't fulfill it. Like, if he knows that is the I have to die and he tells his friends, his friends will be like, no! Like, yeah, we can't do this. Just you kidding! Know, that's part of the prophecy. Like, one, neither can survive, neither can live while the other survives. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's, and it's, it reminds me so much of this, where it's just like, you know, she can't know that she's fulfilling this prophecy for the greater good, and it's probably going to break her in some way, in some way that has to. we don't know what that way is going to be, but it's going to help all of humanity and all of the universes at large. So it's really like, 
I don't know. I, I love I love the idea. I've always loved the idea of like a, a fulfilling destiny and a prophecy in a story. And like um to see that connection of Lyra and Harry Potter, like two of my all time favorite characters in yeah. anything is awesome, you know? Um I'm not even gonna let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, I'm gonna jump to really quickly page two forty seven again in my book. Um where are we here? Okay. Okay. So Mrs. Coulter comes back and finds Lyra at the uh, at the far north in the ge- at the General Oblation place, where, you know, where they're doing all of this um, whatever. And um, she says, "Okay, Lyra, 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 darling, these are big, difficult ideas, dust and so on. It's not something for children to worry about, but the doctors do it for the children's own good." Uh, dust is something bad, something wrong, something evil and wicked. Grown-ups and their demons are infected with dust so deeply that it's too late for them. They can't be helped. But a quick operation on children means they're safe from it. Dust just won't stick to them ever again. They're safe and happy and, and that's it. Because then Lyra, the whole time she's talking, is thinking about little, little Tony Macar- Macarios, who she witnessed die. Yep. She saved and he didn't have a demon, and he died before she could even wake up the next day. But he was happy and living his life. Yeah, yeah. He was a fucking ghost, basically. So that quote in general reminds me of religious zealots in a way that they think, again, we're talking back about the original sin, which is, you know, sex and and experience and whatever, and um, how they seem to think, like, of it as just a duty. It's always... It's always go do your duty to your husband. You're, you're, you're made to procreate and how it can't be an exciting, fun thing to it's enjoy. It's not enjoyable in any it's way, shape, just, or form. No, it's just for the purpose of procreation. And if you and make co- a baby when you do it, great, you get to keep that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no choices about that at all. So, like, it's just, again, it's, it's just, it's disturbing. It's a scary kind of thing. It's, it's like, uh, Again, we're not really sure, you know, what the concept of dust means in the whole co- of of the story, but you're getting a picture and a glimpse of it, and it's frightening how they feel, how the church feels about it. You know, yes, we got to keep these kids from this. Don't enjoy it. Yeah, don't like it. Yeah, don't know about it. So I did just Google because I know that it was controversial, and just clicked on the first article as to why, and it said. Um, but groups such as the Catholic League for... Nope, that's not where I wanted to just read it. Where was I? <laughs> While the religious connotations are probably too advanced for younger viewers to pick up... this was So this was when the movie came out. for Too advanced for young viewers to pick up on. Yes. The supposed likeness of the magisterium to the Catholic Church and the irony of its members having the ugliest of all the demons to represent their true spirits. Critics and fans have launched into a heated debate over the film, which some believe should be boycotted. So, yes, the church went up in arms about the fact, like... No, don't represent us like that. Don't represent us like that. But that's really kind of who they are. It is. It it is. And it's funny because um, it's it's very much who they are, but they never want to be told that. They they continue to show it, but they do not want it to be told in a way that people could understand. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's very much like, yeah, we'll keep talking in our, in our like little secret language basically. And what do you want from the wizard of Oz? Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I don't know. I don't know. That's what he said, but that's what I felt like. (laughs) My cocktail's gone. (laughs) Um, I'm almost done though. So like, do we, I mean, we can go make it. No, we're good. Okay. 
So um, I've only got a, a few more points to make, um, and I'm also a little drunk already. But I want to say one thing. You didn't even get close. I haven't finished. Um, you still have a couple sips of yours. Don't I lie. Do. I did absolutely love the fact that uh, Ioric basically told... First of all, I want to say that everybody seems to have two names, and they only refer to them as two names. Like, mm-hmm. Ioric... Bearnison. Yep. I bear. He... I love the fact that they they use the two names all the time, but that the book could have been a, a third of the size if everybody only used one name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that he changed her name to Silvertongue because she tricked mm-hmm. Iorfer, Iorfer, yeah, yeah, into essentially accepting a duel with yes. Irx so yes. that he could become the king. And the and the story is you cannot trick a bear. You cannot trick a bear. Belinda so that did. that whole story of her trying to poke him, poke 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 poke, you can't yeah. poke a bear. Don't poke a bear. Don't poke a bear. You can't poke a bear cuz bear can't be tricked. Yeah. And she does and tricks him and I absolutely love that. Yeah. And I don't know why I said that. But I did. No, I no, I, I love that too. I love the whole scene because it's just it's very much like oh, it shows Oh, I know why. Cuz I was thinking about the fact that the palace was all this gilded Ugly yes. gold facade, yes. facade, facade, and, and, <laughs> and his, his nails were yes. like gold yes. Fabergé. Yeah, and, and like what we learned from Iric is that bears aren't supposed to live like that. Yeah. He is living like Iafer is living, trying to live like a person. He wants to be a person. He carries a fucking doll around because he wants a demon. Yes, exactly. And then all of his followers are like, "Look, at I have a doll too." <laughs> Wait, what do I do with the doll but now? Then as soon as he's dead. They're like, this is weird. They're like, yes, yes. Yeah, this is super weird. <laughs> you just acted like a cat, not a bear. <laughs> I told you. Okay. Cat would be my demon. So we have to talk about, we have to talk about, we're coming towards the end. <laughs> and, um, you know, basically this entire trek, the entire trek, not only was to find the kids, but also to free her father, Lord Lord Azriel, who she thinks is doing like, you know, uh to, to put it in the Lord's work, you know, whatever. So my understanding for the whole thing, as the, the first time I'm reading this, is he's imprisoned. And when she was in the dungeon in um, Svalbard, or however yeah, you Svalbard, say that, yeah. and the man in the dungeon cage that she's in all of a sudden starts to talk, I immediately thought that was her dad. I, I was positive. She would have recognized him. Yeah. Well, she thought it was a pile of clothes at first. Yeah. Or a pile of rags. So when he started talking, I was like, oh, he's here. She found him. And then it was just a random guy that was like that shit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Professor Shalani. Did you catch that? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Professor Trelawney, who is very fucking like eccentric and whatever, just like. Yes. Harry Potter's Professor Trelawney, who is a seer. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting, too. Yep. Now that you say all of that, it Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love the fact that he was, he's like, the bears basically took him and were like, yeah, we'll hold him and keep him away from Bagverdraja <laughs> so that he's not bothering where they're doing the experiments on the kids. And we'll keep him here. We'll keep him away here. Yeah. He's going to do whatever he's doing. And then he's also like, yeah, I'll stay here, but I want this and I want this yes. and I want this. And I need yeah. a lab and I need all my equipment. And he has and the kind of totally power where they're going to do it. And they're yeah. like. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. It's yeah. going to make you happy and it's going to make her happy. So sure. the entire time he's been sitting there, he's still doing, doing his, his experiments and figuring out, you know, how to bridge the gap exa- between the universe. Exactly. So, okay. So on page 320 on my book. Um, now it's gone. 
So Lyra has, mine is getting there, but so Lyra has, Eirik has, has defeated Eirfer and she's like, you know, please take me to my father. Um, so she gets on his back and they travel to this little, this little cabin and Asriel opens up the door and, um, he's clearly distraught. I didn't call for yes, you. That he's distraught that Lyra is there and you're just like, why like he's never he's never like been he's always you actually the bad guy yes yes exactly um he's saying no no he staggered back and clutched at the mantelpiece lyra couldn't move get out lord lord asriel uh cried turn around get out go i did not send for you she couldn't speak she opened her mouth twice three times and then managed to say no no i came because he seemed appalled he kept shaking his head he held up his hands as if to ward her off she couldn't believe his distress she moved a step closer to reassure him and roger came to stand with her anxious their demons fluttered out into the warmth and after a moment lord asriel passed a hand across his brow and recovered slightly the color began to return to his cheeks as he looked down at the two lyra he said that is lyra so you could sense that something had changed like in his demeanor for at first he's like no get the fuck out of here no and then the second he sees Roger, things are just like, oh, okay. So you're kind of like, at first you don't understand it. And you're kind of a little unsettled by it in a way. Extremely unsettled by it. And it's it. just like, why was his reaction like that? But then as soon as another child stepped into the view, it's okay. So that's the first time or the last time we saw him. So it's been a lot of discussion about yeah. him. But the last time he was a character in the book was at the beginning when he knew that Lyra was hiding and she was going to watch this room and he was she was going to let him know that the master was how they were how they, yes. And, yes and he set it up so that she could also see the screen so he knows the prophecy he knows that she needs to be aware of it and do all of these things so he didn't seem bad yeah and then when she shows up and he's like oh fuck yeah. no yeah. And, and 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 when she was in the college we thought that he was her uncle. Right. So he just kind of thought of her as this precocious child. And then we learn that he's actually her father. And that's his first reaction to her. It's very unsettling and very like, oh, what else is going on here? Why what? is this so icky? Yes. Yeah. Why are there pages left in this book? You know? So um, <laughs> I think that's where I started this morning. I was like, I don't understand yeah. why there's so much left. <laughs> so it's very, okay. So I want to jump to, let's see, page 325 in my book again. Um, I'm just going to do a little bit of reading again. He's, this is, Lyra wakes up and she goes and finds her father and they have this discussion about dust. And we're going to get a little bit more of a, of a, um, like a talk about it. So he said, the magisterium decided that dust was the physical evidence for original sin. Do you know what original sin is? She twisted her lips. It was like being back at Jordan being quizzed on something she hadn't been half taught. Sort of, she said. No, you don't. Go to the shelf beside the desk and bring me the Bible. So blah, 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 blah. He does. And he he reads from the Bible. Things have been changed for their universe. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, it talks it's about their demon and everything. It's not normal translation no. of the Bible that we're all more familiar right. with. It's not exactly the same. So um, I guess I'll read, I guess I meant, just for context, I'll read a little bit of it. Um, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden god hath said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die and the serpent said unto the woman ye shall not surely die for god doth know that in the day ye eat this is i'm sorry this is difficult to read because of the the whatever thereof then your eyes shall be opened and your demons shall assume their true forms and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil 
And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to reveal the truth, true form of one's demon, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. I'm not going to read the rest of that part. It could be in normal English and it would be more to palatable. Yes. Just saying. Yeah. But again, the Bible is also not pi- palatable. Right. So um, let's get a new version that's slightly more palatable. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know Just if change the take all the ths off. So I grew up <laughs> with an atheist mother, and as a very young child, like knowing you know the story of Adam and Eve and how Adam and Eve, you know Eve, the evil bitch that Eve is, grabbed the apple and ate the apple. Um, that was the story. And just like, oh, she ate from the forbidden fruit. Blah 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 blah. So the how did forbidden you forbidden fruit? How did you know the story? I. Knew I learned from, I went to va- vacation Bible school as a child because my babysitter's children went to be va- vacation okay. Bible school. So, like, these are stories I would yep. learn. And, of course, my mother had, like, you know, you'd see a movie and we'd have discussions on it or whatever. But my mom was the first one to tell me, and, again, I was very young. She's like, they're not talking about apples and oranges, like, ap- fruit here. Yeah. They're talking about having sex. Like, they're talking about the fact that... Eve was like this, this freaking like you know um, promiscuous woman, and like, ooh, Adam, we could do this, like stick your penis in me, like you, you have know? a thing, and I have a hole. What happens exactly. if we put them together? I mean, they're naked and they wear fig leaves over their body parts. I mean, come not on. until after like, they whatever. eat the fruit. So she's it, like, wait, now it smells. It's a little <laughs> dirty. Let me cover that up. Oh, my God. This took a turn. Anyway, so he goes, anyway, it's what the church has taught for thousands of years. And when Rusakov discovered dust, at last there was physical proof that something happened when innocence changed into experience. So that's your kind that's of understanding. the physics side of it. Yes. Like, it's a tangible scientific thing. Yes. Like, you can see the change. Yes. It, cor- correct. Yes. It's not Unlike, just your hole got a little wider. It's- yes. <laughs> And now it's like to the to the naked eye, you can't see those things. Right. But with this kind of thing, you can see with, you know, all of the all of the technology that they have to see these things, whatever. Um, so Back I thought they still only have oil lamps. Right. Exactly. It's so <laughs> strange. But um, OK, so that that's that was an unsettling conversation. You know, it's just this child learning, you know, OK, um, I don't know. The whole time Lyra is very. She's very mature for her age. She understands things. She asks questions, whatever. You're And you're seeing that throughout the entire story. So, okay. Um, let's see. So then she's still talking to him. him. And he says, and I'm going to, to that world beyond the Aurora, he said, because I think that's where all the dust in this universe comes from. You saw those slides I showed the scholars in the retiring room. You saw dust pouring into this world from the Aurora. You've seen that city yourself. If light can cross the barrier between the universes, if dust can, if we can see that city, then we can build a bridge and cross. It needs a phenomenal burst of energy, but I can do it. Somewhere out there is the origin of all the dust, all the death, all the sin, the misery, the destructiveness in the world. Human beings can't see anything without wanting to destroy it, Lyra. That's original sin, and I'm going to destroy it. Death is going to die. I just thought that that was, like, a very powerful thing to say. Yes. So, you know, you talk, again... You talk about the fact that humans want to destroy everything but i'm going to destroy the destroying yes so yes. good for you he's you're very, doing exactly what you say everybody wants to do he's very set in his ways and not fixated going, 
not exactly not going to change it. Mm -hmm. He's very against what they're doing, but he's like, nope, I'm going to do basically the exact same thing. I'm going to do it in my way because my way is going to be better, Mm -hmm. even though it's going to end in the same result Mm -hmm. of a child dying, which exactly I didn't realize he died. I had to go back when like, so at the end, (laughs) they they don't really they don't say it explicitly, but she's She's, like holding his body and that's I'm holding his body. And I was like, wait. So when, yes. at the end of the book, they're talking about how her and Pan are going to go into this next universe and they're going to do it on their own, which they've done the vast majority of the book essentially on their own, yeah. the two of them. And I literally, I was like, where the fuck did Roger go? And I had to go back and be like, when did he stop talking? What happened? And he dies essentially at the same time that the mass energy thing yeah. is shot into the other universe. And I was like... Okay, so I was more focused on the physics side of it and, yes. like, didn't realize that he died, which... It, even on the second reading, you know, my reread of this book, I'm just like, yeah, it's very kind of hidden. It's, you know that something horrible is happening because, you know, he keeps grabbing Roger's demon and putting him in this contraption or whatever, and they're trying to escape, and Lyra's grabbing Roger and dragging him or whatever. And then they start to fall, but they don't fall all the way down. And then Mrs. Coulter's there, even after Lyra had crossed the bridge and the bridge fell. Her showing up, I was kind of like, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like like that part because I didn't think that she should have been there. And they start making out. And then she went away because they weren't going to agree. And I was like, you could have just cut that whole part out of the end of that book. And it would have been just better off I yeah I, I don't it's it's very much the, they, they they he just kind of wants to show the connection that Lord Asriel and uh, Mrs. Coulter have because it's very much like it runs throughout the entire series of the book I get it but I feel like that whole part could have just been like developed and discussed either earlier in this book yeah or into the no, next book because you don't need to just randomly place. all of a sudden show up and make out yeah. and be like we can't get along. Okay, yeah. bye. Well, he's. I get. I totally get. I get what you're saying, but he is like, come with me. We can do this together. Like basically, we're going for the same ends where the means are just different. You know what I mean? Like, but she is so um, enveloped in the religious side of it, and he's just like, I'm not. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They just can't. They can't come together on that situation. It was only also like a page and a half too, so it was kind it of. It was like, very small. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I did want to just read the last line of the book, to, only because it was it was kind of read beautiful. like the last section. Okay, last paragraph. Chunk. Okay, all right. I'll read a little bit. Okay, so let's see. Roger's body lay still in her arms. Yes, that's, she, I got to that line. I was like, wait, he died? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roger's body lay still in her arms. She let him down gently, and we'll do it. She said. She turned away. Behind them lay pain and death and fear. Ahead of them lay doubt and danger and fathomless mysteries. But they weren't alone. So Lyra and her demon turned away from the world they were born in and looked toward the sun and walked into the sky. And that's how it ends. Cry? I am going to cry because I just <laughs> I love how beautiful that sounds. No, like, I, I. They weren't alone. They're, they have each other. They've gone through fucking hell and high water, and they're going to continue on that. But they're not alone. They're not they alone. have each other. Yeah. She has her they soul. Do. Um, um, I loved that. I love that line. I do have one part that we probably should have just maybe producer Chris can just edit this, or you're going to get it after the fact. <laughs> so we're this so is, good at outlining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, page three sixty six, and it is Roger. Well, I don't know. 
There's things I'd rather not know. Seems to me everything I heard of since the gobblers came to Goxford, everything's been bad. There ain't been nothing good more than about five minutes ahead. Like I can see now, this bath's nice, and there's a nice warm towel there, about five minutes away. And once I'm dry, maybe I'll think of something to eat, but no further ahead than that. And when I've eaten, maybe I'll look forward to a kip in a comfortable bed. But after that, I don't know, Lyra. There's been terrible things we've seen, ain't there? And more are coming, more than likely. So I think I'd rather not know what's in the future. I'll stick to the present. Like... That's heartbreaking rereading that after knowing, knowing that he dies. Like, not two page, like ten pages later. Yeah, you know, it's, it just I, like everything around here kind of fucking sucks. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, this is nice right now, but yeah, like for the look first at the time, big picture. Yeah, where the fuck are we, and what the fuck are we doing, and where the fuck are we going, and yeah. nothing is good. Well, and it sucks because like for the first we're time not in just a playing while, games in the mud like we did, right. And for the first time in a while, they're both feeling senses of comfort because, you know, they're with Lyra's father. They're feeling a little bit of, a little bit of safety. They're warm. Their bellies are full. They've had a bath. Like, I mean, it just, it's really upsetting to read and hear that after. So maybe producer Chris, leave it right where it is. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think, I think you should. I think you should. Um, so that's the golden compass. I liked it. I did. I did like I'm it. I'm glad. And I really, 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 really hope that you go on to read the next books. I'm telling you, like, as I was reading this, I was like, oh, when does this happen? And I'm just like, oh, shit, that happens That's in the next, next book. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not this book, you know? So there, there's so, so, so much. And they're um, just because this is more like the... I think considered more, young adult or... So the, in a way. Okay. In, in a way, because... Almost every book that has a 12-year-old protagonist is going to be considered it's, young it's adult. It's fantasy, young adult. But it's but clearly The whole adult. concept of all of it is, yes. is very older. Yes. Yes. Um, but as a young adult, you could read this and kind of gloss all over it and enjoy the actual story yes. for, for the words as they're written. The, the only problem Except is... there's a lot going on. Well, and and the beginning is, is going to be hard for kids to get through. Like, you had a hard time getting through the beginning... Yeah, the person that bought this, the bookmark was only on page, like, 10. Yes. And I'm not kidding you. When I got to that, I was like, yeah, I can get why they stopped right here. <laughs> it's, hard. it's hard in the beginning. But then when you get to the part of, like, you know, learning about the gobblers and what they're doing <coughs> and, like, why the kids are, are terrified and, and shit like that, it's just like, okay, this this is going to be an interesting good. story. Yeah. yeah. But there's going to be so much more about the Magisterium and the Oblation Board and stuff in, like, the second book. And, okay. Um, so the villains become a little bit more clear and you see a little bit more of that side of things in book two, um, which is kind of terrifying and, and crazy. But So of the three, which one's your favorite? I'm going to have to say my favorite. I'm really partial to this book only because it introduces the whole story and you're learning everything. But The Amber Spyglass, which is book three, is without question my favorite of the okay. series. Um, and... If you read the full series, you'll understand why okay. I there. I'm actually my next tattoo is actually going to be a quote from the last book. Um, and I, I can you tell me the quote or would that ruin it? I don't I don't want to give I don't want to say the quote. OK, but uh, you're still going to send me a picture of your tattoo. I mean, once of you course, get it. <laughs> once I get it, I will. So you'll be able to read it. But um, I don't want to give it away. Like, I don't think it would give anything away, but it might. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. Okay. Mm. So let's go to our epilogue. Okay. Right? Epilogue. Okay. So I 
have I, this is going to be the second uh, podcast episode in a row where I have something that I meant to tell you in the beginning okay. and I didn't, so <laughs> I'm going to tell you now. I love it. Um, me and my friend Jeannie at work, we go for walks all the time mm-hmm. um, around our campus. It's like a mile and a half loop that we do every lunch and love it. And yesterday we're going around and we get to this one parking lot and uh, last, was it last summer? Last summer we moved buildings. Nope, two summers ago. I don't know when the fuck I moved. <laughs> two summers ago, 2021, we moved from building nine to building four. Building four is now all of docks. And building nine, we were a temporary resident in the tax and finance building in the top floor. And now the top floor is going to be the Office of Cannabis Management. Oh, interesting. Yes. Which I have repeatedly looked to see if they have jobs for budget analysts. But apparently they're under state liquor authority and they're using the, all of their administrative offices. So the Office of Cannabis Management doesn't have budget analysts, which yeah. I'm like, come on, really? Like, can I please? Yeah. I can do that. Um, so we get past their parking lot, and all of a sudden we realize that their whole fleet of cars has been finally delivered. So they must have just recently ordered them, or they all just recently got delivered is more likely. And it's just a line after, or probably like 20 white sedans in a row, and all their license plates say Office of Cannabis Management, and all the numbers are consecutive. And I'm kind of looking at them, and we keep walking, and we walk through the row, and we turn around, and we're like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I absolutely fucking love and this made my day it made my week it really is possible that it made my week that the entire fleet for the office of cannabis cannabis management are nissan leafs (laughs) shut up really i am not fucking kidding you i was like they got leafs the whole fucking fleet is leafs that is so funny and i like, I wish I had my phone, but I don't ever carry it on my walk because it's just a thing and I don't need it. And I, 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 it just, it made my day. That's really funny. And I wanted to share that with you because I thought you would enjoy it. I did. They I are do. white cars. They are not green cars, but I feel like That'd that be way better. is ripe for them to slap a big old sticker right on the side oh, yeah. of a giant pot leaf. They won't, though. They won't, though. No, they won't. But whoever said, we should get Leafs, and somebody yeah. said, yeah, we yeah, should. Yeah, we should. Yeah. And then it's that went through. Fucking hilarious. I want to meet those yeah. people. Yeah, definitely a stoner, honestly. Not going <laughs> to lie to you. Um, so, Katie, I know our next book for episode 30, holy shit. Um, wow. It, yeah. Yeah. Is The Maid? Uh, no, it's it's The Way I Used to Be by Amber Smith. Okay, we put those the other way. Then I Yes. Thought. No, and The Maid is after that. Glad I didn't start reading The Maid. <laughs> I know you're not going to start reading the book until the fucking weekend before we have to read it. We have to do it anyway. Um, So I'm looking forward to that reading that one. I've heard very good things about it. Um, I've heard my cousin Holly is the one that recommended it. Okay, awesome. And I've heard, you know, it certainly has like trigger warnings. So we'll have to, you know, whatever. Cry. Um, Yeah, more than likely. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we're both going to cry. Um, uh, All I'm going to say now is, you know, you, you can find us on Apple and Spotify. Right. Yep. And you can find us all the on social Instagram. Yeah. All of them. Yes. Find us. Yeah. Find us. Uh, Google us to be read at to be read pod. Uh, to be read podcast at gmail.com for any comments and questions. For anybody other than Tony wants to use it. It's yes. there for you. Yes, exactly. I mean, come on. Give us some comments, guys. And at this point, we don't know what our discussion is going to be like with producer Chris because we are going to have that. And I'm looking forward to that. And I hope we're going to drop that at the end of this. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. I look forward to talking to him about it because I feel like he always brings a different spin on things for me. He does. Yeah. He's a ridiculously smart person and sometimes you talk to him and you're just like uh, where did you get that from you know what i mean yes. it's it's very it's um i just i love him and he always has something 
to say that I never would have thought of previously. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, uh, keep your eyes or ears peeled for our next episode. <laughs> I mean, and we post pictures. It, yeah. These yeah. cocktails are delicious. Little Bear made a, made a shining appearance. My daughter's Little Bear made an appearance, yes, and she's going to be so excited when I show her the pictures later. Shining um, might not have been the right word. But <laughs> he doesn't shine. Um, guys, please join us next time. When we make your to-be red pile, one book shorter. She did it! All right, bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. To Be Read is hosted by Sarah Westcott and Katie Willey. Produced, edited, and mixed by Chris Turo. Logo concept art by Rhiannon Kenfield. Graphic design by Steve Pius. Theme song, Read to Me, written and performed by Austin Maffa. His name's Craig. His name is Craig. I did not name him. This is not my creation. (laughs) Pretty funny though. It's pretty funny that he has a name. He has a name and it's Craig. I mean, it just sounds too humanoid. <laughs> and the website is Craig.horse. So it's oh, interesting. Well, all right. How do we do this? Like, I mean, are, are we like introducing a little segment or are we just going to record this? Like, we're just talking and fucking add it on to the end. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, I think what I will do is just do a little quick record in the very beginning to say that there's a little bonus at the end to stick around. But otherwise, what I'm thinking is to do like the outro song and before the credits kick in, then this just, we have just a little... Jumps on, okay. Kind of like like a talking compass, you know? Yeah. watched it and now you get to talk about it. All right, I like it, I like it. Okay, so... So, yeah, I, I guess um, because I was the one who unfortunately had to flake, um, I will go ahead and just kind of say, you know, Sarah, before Katie jumped on, you and I were just chatting a little bit about how I don't have really too much, um, probably too much to say. I've, I know you guys had have a lot of a lot of ground that you covered while you're recording it. Um, sure did. But just my kind of my high level thoughts on on the Golden Compass is just it is a certainly is a, is a remarkable uh, introduction to this world that that Pullman's created. I think um as I've I've stated to you guys before, I don't read read a lot of stuff, but this series is one that I've read at least 3 times, um the most recently being a few years ago. And always um you know, not in just a lot this of past week. Yeah, not <laughs> this past week I was able to reread the intro. I read the first chapter of the Golden Compass. That's unfortunately all I had time to do this week. Um, but he just he he's really good at, at world building. I think, mm-hmm. um, especially Sim, like when you compare it to like a George R. R. Martin, who we've read the Song of Ice and Fire. He goes overboard in my eyes. I know he's he is painting the picture. He's being very descriptive. Yes. But there is the stereotypical, like, oh, you spent, you know, a legitimate page writing about, like, peas and lemon bars, where it's like, just, I understand you're setting the table. I can see the table in 4K definition now. Can we please get <laughs> to the reason why we're at the table? Um, but to me, you know, even just reading the first chapter, um, he he gives you enough details he gives you the, I don't know, he really does set the scene in a, in a great way, but then lets the story just unfold right from there. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you um, with regard to the comp to George R. R. Martin. Sometimes less is more in a situation and you understand things more when you're not just inundated with information mm-hmm. that is unnecessary, you know? So yeah, as much as I love... 
I'll just skip yeah, right over that. that stuff. I'll just oh, yeah. it and be like, okay, I should be paying attention, but like I'm looking for some dialogue or I'm looking for movement or something. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, sometimes you just get like a little bit like your eyes glaze over a little and you're like, okay, let's just get past this and see where the, where the, where the good stuff, the meat is, you know? So absolutely, um, I agree. I, I did want to point out, and I pointed this out when me and Katie, um, you know, recorded the, the full episode, um, that the reason why I read this series was because of you. Um, mm -hmm. you bought this series for my son who has never picked it up, but I read it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> And and fell in love with it, and um, it's still like you know tops on my the whole series is tops on my list. And Sim, mm. I did want to ask you, um, did you read the uh, La Belle Sauvage or, or the Book of Dust at all? I did read La Belle Sauvage. Um, that was also really good. And I bought the Secret Commonwealth when it came oh, out. Secret Commonwealth. Yes, that's, I'm sorry, that's what I. And it to, is still. Yeah. It's in my Kindle library. It is downloaded. It is sitting there waiting. And, okay. You know, it paused at me every time I walk by it. And I say, I see you. I see you in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what I'm waiting for because I know there's like a big time jump and all this stuff. Yes. Um, yes. So, and we just, I just finished watching His Dark Materials, a series not long ago. So I am about as refreshed as I can be without reading La Belle Sauvage again, which I don't, I don't think I need to. I think I can just probably jump right into the secret Commonwealth. I, I think you probably can as well um, because you've read it already and you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't attach like, you know, full on, like you said, it's a, it's a big time jump between that because that's a prequel to the series. Whereas um, the secret Commonwealth is a sequel after the series takes place. Right. So, um, that being said, I mean there are some recurring characters that you'll mm -hmm. that you'll meet. Um, whatever. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I was going to ask you another question, and it totally totally slipped my mind. Um, whatever. Well, Sorry. what I want to know because I have not, as, as we've stated, I haven't listened to the regular recording. Katie, what were your? Who's your favorite character from this book? Oh, I very much like Lyra or Lyra, depending on how you read <laughs> it and say it in your mind. Um, Katie said, said Lyra. <laughs> yeah, I do think that I got much more intrigued with this book once they got to the alethiometer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember my first time reading it where it's like all this stuff about Jordan. It's it's interesting a little bit. You got to set the table, but like, let's I don't know. Let's get going, yeah. man. Let, the, let's the, let's get to the, the the unique part of this story, which of course is the alethiometer and the the demons. Right, and the and the and the story kicks well into high gear after she leaves Jordan. You know, it's not. It's yeah. nice that we know and, and understand that she grew up at this college, but that's not where. Thankfully, that's not where the story takes place. You know, mm -hmm. so it's it's a much better story once she leaves the college and all those old men and all that shit. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do I, wish I do wish that closer to the beginning there was more of an explanation of the demons, but I, you know, I get why there wasn't, but mm -hmm. I wish that there had been because that I was kind of like, what the fuck is this? What are they? What are they? What are they? Yeah, and I think it might be, it could be in the the subtle knife, or maybe where they get a little more in detail, but I think it really is just the more you read, it kind of just is layered in, and you kind of just 
kind of realize you kind of just absorb it as you're going yeah yeah they're really an external (laughs) soul is basically what what the concept is but were you and and katie this is something that always confused me do you have any idea what's going on with dust (laughs) um i did after i finished the book and i talked to sarah about it a lot more and she helped explain it a lot more yeah. I, I my my one situation with dust is I guess I don't understand why adults think it is so bad. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I mean, the dust doesn't go to the children, or it's not. You know, we we've talked at length about how you know dust is about experience, like original sin and and sex, and like you know becoming a, a, an yeah. adult and whatever. Like I'm just confused as to what they think. Well, they're, you know. Stopping when they sever the children. You know what I mean? I, I don't get it. I just I well, don't dust really... is probably just as bad as drag shows and the statue of David. So <laughs> yes. Dust yes, is exactly. uh Dust is Catcher in the Rye and the bluest eye to yeah. <laughs> to the magisterium, you know. It's yeah, for sure. But it's for yeah, sure. the, the the dust thing, you know, of course when I was younger, like reading it, I'm like, okay, I understand some of it, but I also do think that it's a very complicated metaphor that Pullman's trying to work with that doesn't really fully kind of explain itself until you get to like the end of the last book. Right. <laughs> and it is a thing yeah. too. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it does make sense in it. But like I said, you do kind of have to see the other parts that he wants to show you. He's really giving you just the, just the intro on what he's trying to talk about with dust and it's all you tied in. Play out. <laughs> yes, you do. It is. It is one of those things where, you know, the, I guess in a lot of pieces of work, the, the creator doesn't always give you all the information right away. Right. Um, right. So it, it was something that I was always like, I don't necessarily understand this, but by the time I got to the end of it, I'm like, Oh, right. Now I remember how this all ties together, but yeah, it certainly yeah. gets a lot more. He, he builds on a, a lot more in the next book. And um, you you meet some new characters. You go to some different places. Um, I don't, Katie. Are you going to continue reading them? Has your interest been sufficiently piqued? Um. Yes. Oh. I'm not like, oh my god, I need to hurry up and get into the next one. But I am intrigued enough to want to read the next one. Yeah. And I don't she's going to read it. Yeah, I don't know if it was just when because I read them when they came out mm-hmm. and maybe I wasn't inundated with all sorts of trilogies and series to read. Um, but mm-hmm. I remember when I read this as a kid that I was like, I cannot wait for the next book for to the come next one. So I can actually finish this because I was into Star Wars and things like that. But, you know, I was about probably 13 or so when I was reading these. Yeah. And I was just starting to like. You know, because Star Wars had already been all released by the time I was even born. So I didn't have anything new to look forward to in that series um, mm-hmm. until, you know, until the new ones came out. But Right. And... The fact that they're, they are out, it, it does take away a little bit of the, the mystique. And it's not a, oh, I need to hurry up and read it. I need to hurry up and read it before the next one comes out because they are already all out. Yeah. And did you guys mention or Sarah, did you mention the show at all or no? Um. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember if we talked about it much. Um, I did want to tell you that you you just spoke about how um, about how uh, you finished the series. I still have not watched season three. And I think part Mm -hmm. of it is because I'm not I'm not ready to see the end of it play out because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I know what's coming and I'm I'm not really looking forward to Mm -hmm. 
it also I have- yeah, I, I always found when I read this, especially towards the end of the third book, it was a little hard to like place where things were happening because there's yeah. so much stuff that kind of happens at once. And they do a pretty good job of of laying it out pretty cleanly. I was only going to say on the show, um, you know, Katie, if you were interested, they are very faithful to the books to the point yeah. where that you could watch the first season and the first season only and you would not really be spoiled on anything upcoming. Um, okay what's just, it on it, it is on, on hbo, HBO. <laughs> I'm, and I'm just throwing it out there i'm it's not anything that i'm gonna pound my fist and say that this is a must watch but as a big fan of the books i was not unhappy with uh, that that's a weird way of putting it i was perfectly satisfied with how they how they put it on the screen and i don't know how involved pullman was with it i think he might have just a cursory executive producer credit but i do think that he has some he has a slight, or not slight. He has he does keep the reins on this IP fairly close. So I do think that he was, you know, he wouldn't have kind of given it his blessing if it didn't, uh, you know, if it didn't meet the mark. Now, okay. one more thing I don't know if we talked about was the original was the movie that came out in two thousand six. Did you guys happen to watch that one or no? So I've I never didn't. seen it. Yeah, I've never seen it, and I have no desire to see it because I know that it's. Um, it's not good. <laughs> oh, you know what? I remember because that came out when I was in college. I went and saw it in theaters at that shitty little movie theater in Cortland. Uh, <laughs> and did they make it? Did they make all three? No, no they didn't. The, so, so what? So bad. <laughs> yeah the, the the very light background on it is that you know these books came out. I think the Golden Compass came out in the early nineties. And then the final one came out either real early 2000s or whatever. They've been trying forever to find a way to get it on the screen. But as you can tell by reading the first book, it's very, uh, well, it, if anything, anti-authority, right? The church is absolutely yes. wrapped up into that. And it is, uh, you know, they're obviously very responsible for many of the awful things that they've done. But knowing how this country is. Um, they had to tone that down. You couldn't have just a blatant, you know, anti-religious thing in a kid's movie. So they had to, like, sand it down, and it took away from, you know, obviously, the original intent. It yes. was weird. Lyra was, like, I don't know. In, in the show, she's definitely, like, on the older end of, like, 13 and 14, I would say. Yes. Right, because she's an actor who's probably 19 or whatever. Um, but this... <laughs> But the the original movie used, I think, like a legit child. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Dakota Fa- Dakota Fanning, and she was, was pretty it? young. Okay. I'm that pretty sounds- sure it was Dakota Fanning. Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds familiar. Yes, um, and uh, it, had, what- it had Nicole Kidman as Coulter, who yeah. I think Nicole Kidman actually does look like the Coulter that I imagined. Although Ruth Wilson does a good job in the series. Had, yeah, she's pretty. Uh, a- she's pretty um, good. What is, had uh, Daniel Craig? As, as Lord Asriel. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm on IMDb right now. Who is Lyra? Lyra was Dakota Blue Richards. I don't know who that is. Well, I thought it was Dakota Fanning. Am I wrong? Oh, I guess I just saw the name Dakota and figured it was Dakota Fanning, a blonde kid. Dakota Different Fanning. Dakota. Okay. Or she... is, that, is she married? Did she no, know it she does not look like. I believe this is a, oh, okay. a British, a British, uh, looks like a TV actress. Doesn't look, she hasn't been in anything since 2019. Um, okay. So right. either way, the movie came out, fans didn't like it, uh, critics didn't understand it, the regular audience didn't understand it because, 
you know, that's sold as this magical adventure with bears and hot air balloons. And then the movie that it comes out has like a little bit of that. But it, of course, is is leading to a much larger story that they never got around to making. Never got to make. Yeah, Nobody liked it because they did a bad job. So (laughs) it is I think that would be an, an interesting one for you to watch. Sarah, if you can find it on streaming or something, and like I'm you just sure want, I can. and like because <laughs> I don't remember it being terrible, um, but I also maybe really wanted to like it at the time just because it was something know. that you grew up with and loved. Yeah, but well, it has a it has a really good cast in it. You know, it uses Ian McKellen, who's Gandalf. He's the voice of Yorick. Uh, Ian okay. McShane, who was um, who was Al Swearingen from from yeah. Deadwood. Yeah. He was he was his rival bear that has to be. You know, tricked. Oh, oh, he's Ifer. Oh my god. Yeah, it's got Lee. It's got Sam Elliott as Lee Scoresby, which I mean, I don't, I don't love uh, Lin Manuel Miranda anymore. But like Sam Elliott is Lee Scoresby, right? Like, he yeah. Is. So like casting, they were spot on. It just was the the story and everything just. Well, in my opinion, again, I don't know much about it, but in my opinion, if you don't tell the story the way the author intended the story to be told, then that's to the detriment of your, of your, of your um, movie. Yeah. Cause any yes. of the readers are going to not enjoy it and not yes. promote yeah. it. The top trivia item on IMDb for golden compass, George R. R. Martin cited this movie as one of the reasons he wanted game of Thrones to be turned into a TV series rather than movies. And that's exactly <laughs> why, because you cannot tell a complicated story like that in two hours. You just can't do right. it. Exactly. No, no, you can't. You, the little nuances would be missing, and um, the stuff that makes the the story resonate and important are are not there anymore. So, um, yeah, I get that. Um, that's interesting. Uh, any other thoughts, Sim? No, no, that's really it. I um, I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' thoughts on it, which I'll get to here in just a second. Um, but otherwise, if there's any intent to maybe continue reading this, Katie, if it fits into your schedule, you know, I will try to tell work to piss off for a week so I can actually uh, read it <laughs> and, and get on. Because um, kind of like I, I've been thinking about this a lot in this the series because of the time in which I read it. It does. Re- it reminds me of Star Wars quite a bit, whereas the first movie, right, you know, A New Hope back in 77, it's good. I mean, obviously, it sets off the whole universe. It's why people got into it. But it's to me, it's the least interesting of all of the books in the series. And since it's the first one, it's also the one that if I'm going to reread it, I've reread it the most. So I think that the the subtle knife is probably my favorite. And then the amber spyglass just kind of really does take it to a a very epic conclusion which i think john milton with paradise lost would have appreciated and was yeah. certainly something he was probably going after right for the epic the epic uh the scale and the scope of everything did yeah. you read did you ever read that well uh, paradise lost yes i read it in college <laughs> and i was telling sarah before you hopped on that it's like I wanted to like, oh, like reread it, maybe like have some thoughts. And then I was like, oh, this thing is very, it's very long. Um, <laughs> and I, just, I just remember just the, the core tenets of it, which being, you know, Milton saying that maybe Lucifer was onto something. Maybe he wasn't as vilified as he should have been because a man with ambition needs something to do with it. And, right. you know, and he clearly has Asriel as his 
as his Lucifer, the Lucifer. A seductive and charismatic re- rebel who may or may not have a point. We don't know yet. And this yeah, point because we're, we're not really sure what everything. his point. Yeah, yes. we don't we don't know what his point to, to, to really is at this point. You're you're mm-hmm. learning that as you go, and and even in book two, I can't recall that they kind of. I feel like you don't really get the point of that until book three, but um. Because I think that most means, of book two is him kind of building his his army that he's trying yes. to get. Yes. And uh, Katie, I may have to add it to, just add the subtle knife to our list so we can just, just get you Probably to read it anyway. Do that. It's, not, it's, not, it's not to force me to read it, but to prioritize it in my pile. Right. And also, like, it, it'd be a full, if we could get a whole series of something in on our podcast, mm-hmm. that would kind of be cool. You know, we we read an entire trilogy together. You know what I mean? That would be kind of neat. Yeah, so I agree. We can think We can think about that and add it to, maybe add that to the end of our list. Yeah, so, go ahead. All right, sounds like a plan to me. Beautiful. I'm going to put it on. <laughs> um, all right, Sim, thank you so much for uh, yeah. you know giving, giving us your thoughts on the book. We wish you could have joined us for the whole episode. I think it would have been a pretty interesting yeah. conversation, but um, clearly we... Yeah, clearly we we did that in, you know, the 20 minutes we've been talking anyway. So I would like to say, though, that if you get to a point in time and and into our conversation where you think of something that you wanted to, you would have added if you wanted Mm -hmm. to chime in, I would appreciate that and think it would be kind of cool. Sure. Pause, like ding in or whatever. Yeah, now that I've got my new my new computer and my command center here, my capabilities are endless. (laughs) (laughs) Sounded evil. <laughs> it did. It had an evil laugh to it, didn't it? Um, all right, sweet. Uh, oh. Well, thank you so much. I'm like, I'm sorry that I'm like out of breath too because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get cleaning around the house done. So I'm like making beds and stripping beds and shit. Oh, so. good. No, I mean, and, and this was this is part technology demonstration as well, and I think that this is going to be a really good way to go moving forward. And even for you guys too, if for whatever reason you guys want to record one night, but something gets in the way, um, you guys each have this, I can easily, you know, uh, coordinate the recording or whatever, but this is just another tool in the toolbox here for us to, to use. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. I hope it sounds like it, it sounds like it's going to sound better than zoom at least. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be a lot easier for me too. Good. Right. And on, on the zoom as well, it's like, you know, um, it, when we when we did that it's like we had one computer here so you're looking mm-hmm. at the corner of our faces you know what i mean it's just kind of weird it's, yep. it's just and this thing strange. you know like if we needed to you could have video on and this uh, craig will record up to six hours of video or of recording oh, nice. so like you could we don't have to worry about like oh zoom only has 40 minutes we gotta stop and then do a new one it's like nope you could go oh man when we, talk we can about, go all day yeah when we talk <laughs> about the bible we can do our six hour episode <laughs> Craig's pretty awesome. pretty awesome here. Yeah, we love yeah, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, right. Craig is the Craig is the best bot. All right. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate All right, guys. it. And uh we will chat with you later. Okay. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. All right, bye.